0: The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit LivingTraditionsFestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. We know the air is bad. But now the threat of losing our 2034 Olympic bid also hangs in the valley. So what do state and local leaders have planned? This morning we got part two of an air quality series that explores not just the consequences of air soup, but solutions. It's Tuesday, December 12th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Salt Lake Tribune, West Side reporter Alexel Cabrera, and KUER politics reporter Sage Miller. You two have been working in tandem to look into air quality in the part of our city west of I-15. Essentially, what prompted this investigation? Say you first.
1: Well, actually, it was Alex L's idea when we were colleagues at the Salt Lake Tribune together. I was part of the Innovation Lab there, which focused on solution-oriented reporting. And as part of my job there, we hosted a summit on the west side of Salt Lake City where we brought in a bunch of community members to discuss, kind of. What they think the biggest issues facing their community is. And the number two was air quality. And Alex L took that and ran, <laughs> both with kind of just her own individual reporting on that side of the city and her knowledge of just reporting in that community and thought it would be a great idea to address this issue in a larger project that was more digestible to a lay audience that also focused community-centered voices and their narratives and their experience with the air that they breathe. So we applied to a grant and we got the grant. So what we decided to do was combined reporting with data visualization. So when when you look at our project, you'll have, you know, kind of just your standard radio story that's interactive. But we also have like a live air quality map. I think the most important part that really sticks out with this project is that we spoke with dozens of people on the west side of Salt Lake City. And we spoke with dozens of people on the west side of the Salt Lake Valley. And we compiled their narratives into this audio map. And people can listen to them. They can explore how somebody feels about the air in Magna or in Rose Park or in Taylorsville. So you can hear all of those different perspectives across the valley.
0: Yeah. Well, Alex I mean, great idea. We know there are a lot of factors to blame for our bad air, especially as mentioned in the west side of our city, from freeways and highways being located there. We've got a lot of industrial activity. It's where the refineries glow at night. But when everything was sort of being constructed and coming together in the city, how intentional was it to put these polluters on the west side of Salt Lake?
2: Yeah, so those are centuries of decisions. So that's why... It's one of the things that we want people to take away from this reporting is the decisions that we're making today will impact communities for generations. So as back as the early 1900s, some scientists from the East Coast came in and this was as Salt Lake City was growing. And they said, well, where are we going to put all of these industrial hubs? And all of these refineries. And they started starting meteorology and wind patterns. And they said, well, the Jordan River is going to filter all of the smoke out, so we won't get like <laughs> horrible air quality. But they were taking into account how rivers on the East Coast worked, but the Jordan River didn't work like that. So um, oh. that was the start of how the West Side became The West Side, as we know it. And Mm. then we also have this issue, which is redlining. So years after, we had this discriminatory practice, which systematically place people of color in some neighborhoods They were usually on the west side. If you see a map of redlining, you would see the whole west side red. (laughs) So it's different than white neighborhoods that were marked as desirable in, in that system. And though the practice was made illegal in 1968, we still live with the legacy of it. So in Salt Lake City, we, there's still a link between redlining, lower access to hospitals, higher presence of industry, and less trees, and all all of the things that we see on the west side.
0: Yeah, one of the things that's sort of like intrinsic to a reporting project like this is those holy crap moments when you uncover more than you initially anticipated. What were some of the most unexpected consequences of bad air for
1: residents that you both have found? I think for me, and it's something we kind of already knew, but I think it's vastly different to hear them in the community's own words is just kind of how left behind Westsiders feel when it comes to these policies that are continuing to exacerbate poor air quality in the area um, and how they don't really feel like they are connected with people in positions of power who are making these decisions, that they're very much so overlooked. We can look at the inland port. We can look at the expansion of I-15. We can look at all of the decisions before redlining and after redlining that allows these industries and these polluting industries to continue to have such a large presence um, in the Mm area area. And it was just like hearing how disheartened and disappointed they were that they were never involved in these conversations to begin with. And how even if lawmakers or people in physicians, power city council members, whoever say, you know, this is an issue to us, we are focusing on it, they don't really feel the impacts of that. And so it was really kind of eye opening to be like, we talked to dozens of people who feel very similar. So it's not just like one West Side individual who is mad at a specific person in position of power. It's a whole bunch of them. Um, and I think that really is telling as we move along with these policies of how kind of just like left in the dust, um, pun intended almost, of how they feel.
0: Yeah, lack of trust has to be one of the biggest consequences of a, a public health policy failure.
2: L, what surprised you? I think also finding out that this is an issue that has been normalized on the West side for so long. Sage and I drove to Magna, and it was horrible. And people were raving about the air quality that day. And we just couldn't believe it, because how, how could that be a great air quality day for you? So that was a surprise. Also, how pervasive the issue is. It's not only respiratory issues that people get out of it, it's cardiovascular issues, cancer, pregnancy outcomes, all kinds of things are linked to air quality. And uh, I did a lot of like men on the street interviews with us. And a lot of people were like, well, I don't have a lot to say about air quality. And then they would tell me this amazing story and Mm. something very thoughtful. So it's so normalized that people don't really realize that this is not supposed to be like this. On that same
1: note, too, we talk a lot about kind of the physical health manifestations that come with poor air, right? Um, An increase in pregnancy loss or birth defects, asthma rates are higher on the west side of the Salt Lake Valley, and there's increased cancer rates. But something that we also noticed when we asked people to talk about the air was the way that they described it and the psychological effects of living in such poor air quality, where people you know, would escape to Park City or escape to Cottonwood and then just feel this sense of dread as they could visually see themselves driving back down into the soup bowl of pollution and inversion. And it's something that they try to escape but they always have to come home to. So a lot of the ways that they described the air visually was like incredibly poetic but also very depressing, right? Like saying that they are walking into like a black and white movie or that it's, they can taste the air, they can chew the air, they can smell the air. Like they can't escape it. There's no way out. And even if you leave, you're still coming back to it.
0: It's like reading a novel from like the early industrial era when people describe working in factories and it's like, we're still doing it. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons, maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants, but the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments, so if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. I want to ask you about solutions, because that was the goal of this reporting, as you both have said. And... It's interesting to me because, of course, Salt Lake City wants the Olympics in 2034. We're now the preferred host city. Part of our agreement with the IOC requires clean air for the Olympics. Now, we all like to think that we could clean the air before the year 2034. Alexel, what kind of mitigation efforts are we seeing from city and state leaders to reduce bad air right now?
2: Yeah. So right now in the city, we're seeing a lot of rebate programs. So lawn mowers, which you wouldn't think that often about them, but the ones that operate with gas are extremely polluting. There's a rebate to change to electrical ones, and same with e-bikes. Also, school passes and this is something that it really resonates with people public transportation is a fan favorite most of the people we spoke with on the west side want more public transportation and They want more access to it. So these roads that are the number one polluters of the air can be a little bit like clearer. So um, also the Mendenhall administration had this big program kind of like trying to balance the tree urban canopy around the city. So we see all of these big trees on the east side and they've been there forever. So we're starting to plant a thousand trees on the west side every year.
0: Yeah, I mean, these feel a little bit like inch by inch, like baby steps in the right direction, but not sweeping change. I noticed in the story you all interviewed a state representative about how this issue has impacted his family. He sponsored a resolution to reduce idling. But again, that's not a huge swing. Sage, why the hesitation from the legislature to go all in on this issue?
1: What we see on the city level is more kind of ways to cope with the bad air and ways to kind of directly impact your use of energy that would correlate with bad air, right? Like snowblowers and lawnmowers and whatnot. But on the legislature, it's a lot more complicated because you have so many more cooks in the kitchen with so many different interests. So a lot of the times in the like lawmakers that I've spoken to who are on um, the bipartisan clean air caucus with the legislature, where you have to get somebody in southern Utah to care about the air quality along the Wasatch Front and want to actually hand over dollars for that. We also know that there is a lot of competing interest when it comes to industry, and that's very important to Utah. Um, so things like mineral extraction or oil and natural gas, like they want to keep bolstering those because they think it's very vital to the state's economy. Um, And so Senator Todd Weiler, in one of the stories that we wrote, said that they have done a lot of action towards cleaning up the air. But now what is left are these big budget items that they have to get the majority of the legislature on board to do. And that takes a lot more negotiation and a lot more compromise to make happen. And a lot of it just hasn't happened yet. Right. So we see Governor Cox saying he wants to do a pilot program of zero fare, but a lot of people in the legislature say UTA is already very heavily subsidized, so there's no reason why we should give them more money. And then it also brings in this debate, do you want zero fare or do you want to expand access to transit? Because should one come before the other? Should both happen at the same time? What does that look like? And so while public transportation is a very big topic, both in local communities and like a growing interest on the state level, there's still they need to get a lot more people on board in order to pass that kind of funding resolution for it. And with the lawmaker that we spoke with, um, Representative Anthony Lubei, I will say he's very new to the legislature, so he doesn't he can't really pull out those big guns yet. I think he probably needs a little bit more experience under his belt. But it does really hit home for him when he sees his 13 year old son when he was in elementary school not able to go outside for recess the majority of the bad inversion months, so where he was stuck inside because he literally couldn't breathe. And so a lot of the lawmakers say they want more data, they want to find the actual like point sources of it, they want to under understand what can actually happen uh, that are like innovative solutions that won't necessarily crumble industry. But the other thing with this project that we think is very fascinating and that we we don't want it to all be doom and gloom, right? Like there are positive steps that we can take in order to ensure that we can clean up the air. And since Utah is so big on industry, we kind of are at this turning point of could we invest in a different kind of industry instead of looking at oil? Can we actually being able to shift industry from natural gas and coal to things that are more renewable energy and being able to bolster our industry that way. So we're kind of just doing a trade-off rather than killing one industry and being left with nothing. And I think that might be a little bit more palatable to lawmakers if there is kind of this economic argument to it. Um, But now, as you said, Ali, I think something that's going to really probably light a fire underneath their pants is the Olympics allegedly coming to Salt Lake City in 34. And they put out these plans, right? Like they want a 100% shift to renewable energy by 2030. They want a 50% reduction in carbon dioxide emissions and a comprehensive uh, public transportation plan. And all of those things are going to be on the top of the docket for the IOC to actually formally grant the Olympics to Salt Lake City. And so we don't know how this will play out. It remains to be seen. We don't know if Utah will be able to, you know, cover all of that 100 percent. But it does show that in order for this big event that they def- desperately want to come to Salt Lake City, they have to take more aggressive action against air pollution. And that will directly help the west side of the Salt Lake Valley.
0: Yeah. I mean, Alexelle, you've been covering the west side for a while now. And I think that something that is true is that nearly every Salt Laker will tell you they know the air is bad. (laughs) Like, across the city, but especially on the west side. So what do you want people to take away from this reporting project? And who is it for? Like, are you... Are you writing a little bit to our legislators here?
2: I feel like the project is for everyone because east and west-siders, they all ha- should care about this, about, about how things work. The thing about west-siders is that maybe they, they may have a little bit more of restriction in terms of time, or maybe even knowledge of how things work out. So you see more uh, public participation from people on the east side than on the west side. And as a result, you see the west side really affected by a lot of these decisions that would probably never happen on the east side. So hmm. um, yeah. I want people to feel empowered by this reporting. And I want, we do want to get the attention from people in power, uh, especially with the map. Because if you have dozens of Westsiders telling you how this directly affects their life and their kids and their health, I hope this really makes an impact on how you see things and how you make formulate your decisions. So we don't want this to be a doom and gloom. We talked about a lot of negative things about the West Side. We don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on the future and how this will look like and how to prevent even more harm.
0: Salt Lake Tribune reporter Alex L. Cabrera and KUER reporter Sage Miller, thank you both so much for your reporting. I'm looking forward to part three of this. Thank you for having us, Allie. Appreciate being with you, Allie. If you want to read more from Sage and Alex L. on air quality, I linked their Reaching for Air series in the show notes for you. Part three should drop in early January. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. I am grateful to you if you rate and review our show wherever you listen. It's a big help, so thank you. And we will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.